Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from First Orlando. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at firstorlando.com. And if you're in the Orlando area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now, enjoy this podcast from First Orlando. Thank you, Jackie. Jackie is an awesome servant up in kids' ministry. And um, if you get a chance, ask Jackie how she's doing. She's been through a lot, but she has the most joyful spirit you'll ever, ever know. Now, (laughs) I just have to sit down. That worship experience, what happened? I'm telling you, was that not incredible? I just, it was just a moment. And, and what's so awesome about this place is you never know what's coming. And you never know how God will manifest himself. And that's why I just encourage you. I'm so thankful for the streaming opportunity that we have. And, and we will continue to do that. But if there is any way for you to come physically and be in this room, when those moments happen, when God just moves in, and that, that baptism, listen, what an amazing story from both of them. So I'm, I'm just saying God has done and is doing so much in this place. We're going to read about a church today, and actually it's more than one church. They were known by the grace of God. Literally, that's how their reputation was spread. These churches, God had given them grace, and they were giving grace. Now, I want to set it up and and take you to the Scripture. You can turn, if you'd like, in 2 Corinthians. I know we've been in a series in 1 Corinthians, but go to 2 Corinthians. While you're going there, there's a verse in 2 Corinthians in the same window of passages that is uh, referred to on the pipe. If you don't have your pipe, we, we got plenty. I want to make sure we get you one. Here's the verse. It's 2 Corinthians 9-11. You'll be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. That is a promise. And God will do it as we will do our part. So, What we have been learning is that a pipe is simply a vessel that God wants to give to and bless, but through that vessel, others will be blessed. Others will be changed. So if you take that pipe, you think about grace. Now, grace and the word generosity, they're interchangeable. Uh, Sometimes you hear me say generosity. Sometimes you'll see that in print. Sometimes it's grace. The word grace literally is the word in Greek, charis. It means gift. So it it can go generosity. It can go grace. So here's the principle. On this side of our life, God is being generous. He's being good to us. He is giving us so much grace, most of all in Christ Jesus, his son. And as he pours all of that into us, What is the expectation? What is it that we do? Then we turn around and we give grace. We become generous on the other side. That's the goal of this. So what Paul is going to do, and we're going to look at these two chapters, chapter 8 and chapter 9. He's going to say to the church there in Corinth, 
I want you to be like the churches in Macedonia. I want you to realize God's been good to you, so let's be good to somebody else. In this case, he's talking about the, the churches and the saints in Jerusalem. In this season of history, we know there was tremendous persecution. There was even a famine, and there was poverty in Jerusalem, especially among Christians, because Christians were persecuted because they were followers of Christ. Now, Paul was touched by that, and so were other believers all around the world. And so what they were doing is they were taking up an offering. And they were wanting everybody to participate in that offering because they want to go and help the saints in Jerusalem. So when we're reading this, you'll see a reference to that or you'll see something about it. I wanted you to know the context. They're trying to help brothers and sisters in Jerusalem because of all the hardship that they were going through. But I want you to catch how many times he talks about grace and what he says about grace. Now, I'm going to give you what, I mean, I just picked five things out of here. Okay, principles about grace, principles about generosity that apply to what God did for us, but also what we do for others. So I want to give you those so you know where we're going. If you got a phone or if you want to write them down right quick, grace has no boundaries. Grace is bigger than your circumstances. Grace changes your want to. Grace is your greatest witness. Grace starts with Jesus. And every one of those are in there. I'm sure there's a lot more, but every one of those are tucked in. So I want you to read with me 2 Corinthians chapter 8. I'm going to start in verse 1 and read through verse 9. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urge Titus, as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in earnestness, in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love is genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. And may the people of God say thank you, Jesus, for what he did. Can we give him praise that he did that for us? So all of this starts with what he's already done. It starts with grace that he has extended to us. Now the question is, what are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with that? First of all, grace has no boundaries. As you read verse 1, he's talking about an offering that they were to give to a church and to a people that they had never met. And most likely a place they'd never been to. Let me show you. Here's a map. We're reading a letter that was written to Corinth. This is Greece. 
Athens is just above Corinth, right in here. Thessalonica and Philippi are in an area known as Macedonia. I feel like I ought to be saying, now there's a low pressure, this building out here, and we think it'll interact. Yeah. I always dreamed of being a weather guy. You know, I just thought that would be a lot of fun. But forget the low pressure. This is, this is what's happening. This is Macedonia. Okay. Do you know where the relief offering was going, where the people were in the greatest need? All the way over here. These had already done so. They'd given sacrificially. They were fired up about it, wanting to help. What's staggering about this, let me show you how far it is from Corinth over to Jerusalem. 1,209 miles. If you were to walk, which would be a little tough because you got some water to deal with, 60 days of walking. You know how many potty stops that is? 240 for most, for some of you, 500. And there's not a single Bucky's anywhere on that route. I mean, it would be a horrible thing. Here's what amazes me. They're being generous and gracious to people they've never met. And to a place they were never most likely going to be. I want to challenge you that God's going to ask you to be generous to somebody you don't know. Somebody that you're, you don't have a relationship with them, but you just know God wants you to help and God wants you to serve. He's going to want you to give to something that you may never benefit from. How awesome is that, that God would ask us to give to something? For example, one of the projects we're going to be doing in the coming years is finishing up Faith Hall and trying to really retro that so our student ministry can flourish. I know there are people who go, well, I don't have any students. Why should I be part of that? How about plant a tree you'll never sit under? But you know there will be students that will be changed because you gave to that. You see, grace doesn't have boundaries. You have boundaries, but not grace. What did Jesus do for us? He found us wherever we were. He always does. There are no boundaries with God's grace, and there are no boundaries in our grace and generosity. So I'm challenging us, let's be ready to give, even though we don't know much about that ministry or we don't really know anybody there, it's okay. I know what would have probably happened in Corinth. Somebody would have stood up and said, but how do we know what's going to happen to that money we're sending over there? How do we know those Christians aren't going to be down in Jerusalem finding those street drugs somewhere and, and spending that money? We always play that game. Let me tell you something. When God tells you to do it, you don't have to ask that question, well, what are they going to do with the money? Because you know what? God knows what they're going to do. And he's the one that asked for it. So your obedience is to him, not to them. They honored God. It has no boundaries. Be gracious and generous people. Second thing. It's bigger than your circumstances. Let me show you this check, uh, this, this, this verse. It has two phrases that are absolutely amazing. In a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed into a wealth of generosity on their part. Now, he's describing those in Macedonia, okay? Go back to the map for just a second. This area was a difficult area. Paul got run out of both of these places. I mean, Paul was about to get killed up here. It was not a friendly place for Christians, and it was very difficult. Now go back to the text. 
Extreme poverty, wealth of generosity. Look at those two phrases. Extreme poverty, wealth of generosity. They don't go together. Extreme poverty, and you want me to be generous? Yeah. Because grace is bigger than your circumstances. Don't let circumstances tell you what to give. Let God tell you what to give. Our circumstances don't dictate our life. Our God does. And when we let him, it's amazing how they were able to be generous in spite of all that they were going through. So what I would say is, hey, you don't wait till you can. You give when God tells you. And you do what God tells you to do. And there's no better time than now. Yesterday, I was sitting at a funeral in Brandon, Florida. I went down to First Baptist Brandon where this funeral was. It was for the son of a, of a dear friend of mine. My friend's name is Tommy. Tommy Green, he was the pastor at one time at that church. He now leads the state, all the Baptist churches in the state of Florida. And it's a wonderful, wonderful association and network. And I am with him a lot just in Jacksonville because of meetings and so forth. He's just a great friend. He got a call last Monday. His 41-year-old son, who was a marketing genius, he'd been hired away from company after company because he was in high demand. He was a very intelligent guy. 41 years old, company, shows, uh, company calls Tommy and says, hey, your son didn't show up to work today. You know anything about it? He goes, no. His son was in West Palm area. Tommy started thinking about it. I'll call him. He tried to call him. He couldn't get him, and so he drives down there. He said when he got to the condo, he walked up, and, and he went around back, and he saw the TV was on and light was on in the kitchen, and he knew something wasn't right. So instead of going in because he was afraid it was a crime scene or something, he said, I, I, I'd called the police. I called 911. And they got there, went in, and found this, his son dead on the kitchen floor. To the best of their knowledge, his heart just quit beating. 41 years of age. No health problems. He hadn't been sick. So I'm sitting in that funeral listening to his brother describe his brother that died. I'm listening to Tommy as he weeps and talks about his son. And they sing a song. The song they sang, this soloist came up and sang a song, No More Night. While they're singing that song, No More Night, all of a sudden my mind goes to another person we lost this week, a young man named Kyle Thomas. He had one of the greatest voices I've ever heard. He sang on this platform so many times. And he sang that song. In fact, he was my favorite at singing No More Night. I've never heard anybody better. Even David Phelps. No, no one. Kyle was such a guy. 49 years of age, dropped dead of a heart attack. While I'm sitting there thinking about Kyle at a, at a funeral for a 41-year-old, then I get a text from Dr. Whitaker. Steve Whitaker's mom passed away. She was 93. And then early this morning, you get a text from David Loveless, one of our pastors, and his dad died this morning. He was 94. Now, you're sitting there going, man, pastor, why are we going through the death row? I hope you get to live to 93. I hope you get to live and see 94. But I was sitting at a funeral for a 41-year-old who was in perfect health.
I got a call of a 49-year-old that died of a heart attack. What am I trying to say? Don't wait to do what God says do. Now is the time. This is all we got. So don't let the circumstances drive it. Grace is bigger than your circumstances. A lot bigger. So go back to the next one. Grace changes your want to. <laughs> when grace of God comes in your life, when Jesus walks in and you understand his grace, man, your want to changes. And look at this text. This text is amazing. In my Bible, I got it so messed up, highlighted, and it, I, mean, I can't even read. I can barely read what it says because it's one of those staggering things to me. This is what it says. And they gave according to their means and, and even beyond their means of their own accord. And then here's the part that just blows my mind. Begging us earnestly for the favor. By the way, you know what the word favor is in the New Testament Greek? It's the same word as grace. Begging us for the grace of taking part in the relief of the saints. So what he's saying is the church came to Paul and was begging him. Can we give to that? Can we be a part of that? What church culture is that when people are begging to give to the Lord's work, begging to be a part of a project, begging to be able to serve somewhere? I don't know that many places, but I can tell you this church gets really close. Because I can't tell you how many times somebody comes up and says, hey, <clears throat> any way we can give to that? Give me that water right there. Any way we can give, I'm begging for water earnestly. Can, yeah, thank you. Uh, any way we can be a part of that? Any way, I, I have people come up and say, hey, pastor, I just feel like I want to help somebody in need. Can, can you help me direct me to that person? That's, that's what I'm talking about. See, when you experience grace, your want to changes. You don't have to be asked. You don't have to be begged. You're the one doing the begging. I grew up in a church, and I would hear my dad or whoever the pastor, I've even said it many times, okay, we're going to take the offering right now. I remember as a teenager going, do they have to take the offering? They do it with guns? I mean, they're taking this offering from us? I just think that's what grace does for you. It makes you beg to get to be a part. And so I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I think God's going to stir us. And I know there's going to be questions like, man, what can we do? I'll show you what you can do. We want everybody to take a step, okay, in a journey we call grace. Let's just all take a step. And let me show you a map that will kind of help us. Some of you, the step that he's asking you to take is for the first time to give. First time to give money, first time to maybe give of your time to serve wherever. Last week, right here, a beautiful conversation with two people. Uh, you will know them soon enough. One of them is a goalkeeper for Orlando City. He's married to a girl that grew up in this church. Great, great couple. He comes and says, hey, man, I want to be a part of this video that we do every morning. I said, you want, you want to be a part? He says, yeah. I want to be the one reading the scripture and, and praying for people. Oh, okay. He, he videoed his part at the stadium where Orlando City plays. Okay. She says, 
I want to serve somewhere. I want to be involved somewhere. I'm like, really? She goes, yeah. I said, you want to work with kids? She goes, no, I don't think that's really where I want to be, but maybe students. She's already met with one of our student leaders. She's already in a discipleship program under her, and she's going to be helping in students. Now, the reason I tell you that story, that's the culture I'm describing. For some of you, it'll be the first time you've ever said, I, I, I want to get involved. I want to give. I want to serve. First time. For some of you, you've been here, but it's never been intentional. It's like whenever your team wins for the weekend, oh, I want to give today. Or you're excited, or <clears throat> maybe you're happy, or that girl said she wanted to go out with you. I'm going to give church money to church today. Don't be random. God wasn't random. God intentionally loved you. He knew and so I want to encourage you to be intentional. Set a goal for yourself this year and say, <clears throat> I want to give this much or I want to serve this much. And that helps you to stay with the plan. Now, for some of you, it'll be percentage because your income varies. And so you say, well, I, man, it's hard to pick a number. How about a percentage? Did you know that's where the tithe came from? The tithe came from the idea that God wanted everyone to share the load. So he said, you know, 10%. Old Testament, bring 10% to the, to the temple, and, and then the priest would use that 10% for the, uh, for the work of the temple. I think it's a masterful way so that everybody bears weight. It's a percentage. So ask God, what is the percentage? I love aiming for the tithe, but that's not the end. You can even go above that. But maybe this year, the step you're going to take is, I'm going to get a percentage in mind. And then for some, it's time to go beyond. That word was in the text, and we'll talk about it more. That word is intriguing to me. They went beyond everything. They went beyond what anybody would have expected. They went beyond what they probably even were able to do, but they wanted to do it for him. So I think all of us are going to take a step. And I want that to be the want to. What God's grace has done in you, I want to do something, take a step. Let's go back to the next thing. Grace is your greatest witness. There's a verse in here. I just couldn't pass it. It's in verse eight. I say this not as command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. How do we prove our love is genuine? By what we do. I think what he's saying is the reason you know Macedonia is for real is because of what they did. You know, we're really good at being the mouth of Jesus. Let's be the hands and feet of Jesus. We'll post anything. I mean, we, we put all kinds of stuff out there. How about we put us out there? Serve. Give. It's the greatest witness you'll ever have because it demonstrates you're willing to do something, not just say something. After all, Jesus said the master one day will say to us, well said, thou good and faithful servant. Isn't that what it is? No. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. So I just feel like that our witness, and I'll give you an example. Back several years ago, some of you were here and you remember Bruce Wilkerson came and we had a big offering to help <clears throat> the homeless in our area. Five million dollars was committed. And I remember starting to distribute those funds to ministry partners and helping them. And we had a 
team go out to share Christ with some people, and they went to a door, knocked on a door. A lady came, and she said, I don't really have time. And they said, we just wanted to come and pray for you. And she said, no, I really don't have time. The door was cracked, about like that. What church are you all from? They said, well, we're from First Baptist Orlando. And she goes, is that the church that raised that money to give to the poor? And they said, yeah, that's our church. The door swung open wide. She said, come on in. I want to talk to you. They went in. They shared Christ with her. She received Christ and became a follower of Jesus. Isn't that amazing? All that happened. All that happened. That door was swinging on the hinge, not of what we believe, not the name of the church, not a beautiful building. It was on the money we gave to help somebody. You see, I think grace is our greatest witness. When we're generous, it is a beautiful testimony of our Lord. And the last thing is grace starts with Jesus. It starts with Jesus. Paul ends in verse 9 by saying, remember what he did for you. Remember, he was rich, and yet he left heaven, poured himself out, and became poor. Why? So that we who were poor might become rich. Here's the way I think of that. If he did that for me, there is no gift, there is no time or money that is too much for me to give to him. If he was willing to do that for me, see, it all is about what he has already done for us. He has given us grace. He has given us something we never could have gotten on our own. I mean, he who was rich became poor so that we might become rich. And when you start with Jesus, you realize that. And by the way, there's a little phrase in this text that is fascinating. Another one about what they did. We'll go back. This phrase right here, and this, not as we expected, but say it with me. Say what's in yellow together. They gave themselves first to the Lord. So can I show you the first step for all of us? It's not first time giver. Put the, put the chart back up for the journey. I know you're thinking about which one is yours. No, let me give you the first step. Give yourself to Jesus. You can take this journey without Jesus, and it's not the same. In fact, let me tell you something I've noticed in doing this for a long time. Generosity will never make sense until Jesus is Lord of your life. Giving like this, serving like this doesn't make any sense until Jesus is the Lord of your life. And when he is, it makes all the sense in the world. So maybe the first step is to give ourselves to the Lord. Now, for some of you, that means I need to trust Christ. I mean, I need to put my, my faith in him and follow Christ. We talk about it every week. And, and let me just say it again. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He, he invites people to follow. And as many as received him, to them he gave the privilege to be the children of God. Have you ever received him? Have you ever followed him? Have you ever put your trust in him? That's the first step. 
Because all of that will not mean much to you until Jesus is sitting where he belongs in your life as the Lord of your life. Now, for some of us, we've already done that. You say, well, I've already, I've already given my life to the Lord. Well, let me then ask you, does he have everything of yours? If we give ourselves first, let me show you what I mean. Does he have your social media? Does he have your contacts, all your relationships? Does he have what you watch, what you read? I think a phone represents that. I think there is a moment, even before we take that journey, we need to lay this down. Say, Jesus, it's all yours. And then what about this? A wallet. Now, for some of us, this is old school. This is how we remember. We carry credit cards and cash. Now we just carry this, and you got everything you need right there. But for the old people like myself in here, a wallet means he's got everything, all my finances, resources, everything. Don't stop there. I got a truck. It's new to me. It's not brand new, but it's new to me. I love it. It's a Chevy Trail Boss. I love the truck. But the Lord says, um, is that mine? Yes, it is, Lord. So you know what? My first step is say, Lord, it's all yours. I could keep going on. You know the analogy. You know the point. Everything you have belongs to him. You know why? Because it's where it came from. Everything you have came from the Lord. He gave it to you. So as we start this journey, let's just start in the right place. Let's just give it to him. First, give ourselves to him. I heard a story years ago. Martin Lloyd-Jones was, was an Englishman, preacher, theologian. And he told about a farmer that one of his cows had calves, had twins. One was brown, one was white. And he said, man, they were beautiful looking calves. And he told his wife, he said, hey, let's do this. Let's give one of them to the Lord and then we'll have one. So whatever that one brings, we'll give that money to the Lord and we keep one. She goes, that sounds great. Two weeks later, one of them got sick and died. And he walked in to his wife and said, oh, man, the Lord's calf died. Why is it always the Lord's calf that dies? It's because he's not first. When he's first, he's got everything. So could we just start the journey today and bow our heads for a moment and say, Lord, I got to give it to you. It's all yours. And I want you to be honest with him. I, if you've never trusted Christ, let me just say, call upon him. The Bible says whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Can I lead you in that? This is what I would tell you to say. Jesus, thank you for loving me. Tell him that. Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for coming to this earth to give your life for me. And thank you for taking my sin on the cross so that I could be forgiven. And Jesus, thank you for overcoming the grave. Thank you for beating death so that I could live forever. 
Jesus, today I'm following you. I believe in you. Now, for those of you that prayed that or thought that, that's the first step. For the rest of us, did you say, Lord, it's all yours? Everything I have, it's all yours. That's the first step. And you know, I just believe when we do that, he's going to move. God, help us to take this journey and help us to know that because we've been given grace, God, may we give grace. Because you've been generous to us, help us be generous to others. In Jesus' name. Thanks again for listening to the First Orlando Podcast. For more information like our service times, location, and other contact information, be sure to visit us online at firstorlando.com. Have a great week.